Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash SUE. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Novo Nordisk AS. Welcome to this Peer Voice panel discussion on type 2 diabetes. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professor Tina Vilsbol and patient advocate Tiara Smith. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials. Hello, my name is Tina Vilsbol. I am a professor at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark, and I'm a consultant at Steno Diabetes Center, also in Denmark. It's an honor to be here today and have the opportunity to share with you our program, which is entitled Overcoming Barriers to Basal Insulin in Type 2 Diabetes. We will focus on appreciating the preferences and perspective of the treatment in patients with type 2 diabetes. I'm very happy to be here today with Tiara Smith. Welcome, Tiara. Can you introduce yourself, please? Yes, thank you, Dr. Vilsbol. Hi, everyone. My name is Tiara Smith. Um, I live with diabetes, and my um, professional uh, career is based in type 2 diabetes advocacy and providing resources to the type 2 community on management and also addressing issues like using uh, insulin and overcoming the stigmas and barriers on how to uh, use insulin and addressing those issues with your provider. So very happy to be here to discuss such a very important topic. Yeah, it is really important. I mean, we've now had insulin on the market for more than 100 years, and it is indeed life-saving. Many, many lives have been saved, and just having this tool in our toolbox really is central for the prognosis and treatment, both in type 1 but also in type 2 diabetes. But often, unfortunately, there are situations where when I sit in front of a patient with, with type 2 diabetes, it takes me a while to convince the individual of why this peptide, why insulin is actually the right treatment. I, I think you agree with me, Tiara, don't you? Absolutely. And, and also from, from the patient perspective, there's a lot of misinformation about the benefits for type 2 in, in, in the use of insulin. Um, I know what I've seen, and I know we'll get into it later, um, but but thinking of insulin as... Um, failure at management and reaching your, your glycemic goals. If started, um, you know, at, at the right time, it could really delay complications and give patients some power back in their lives and really in, uh, improve their quality of life, which is always something that we want our patients to feel. Yeah, because right now when I go to conferences, uh, we talk a lot about the modern glucose-lowering drugs in type 2 diabetes. However, we still have to remember that insulin is central because there are indeed still uh, impact on, on glycemic control with respect to microvascular complications. So, so I think it is really a, a challenge. And, and But from a healthcare provider's point of view, it's important because we need to get the individual to a certain target with respect to glycemic control. Because when we look at the guidelines, when in general, insulin has moved down in the guidelines, but in, in patients who are newly diagnosed, who are who have very, very high glucose there, insulin is indeed life-saving. We add insulin 
after GLP-1 and on the top of the current backbone of, of glucose-lowering drugs. And I think that's also important when we talk about healthcare providers and patients, you know, worries about insulin treatment because they many trust that, oh, now I'll go on insulin. I have to measure my glucose preprandially many times per day after the meals as well. But in type 2 diabetes, with the insulin analogs we have today, basal insulin, which means nighttime insulin, is often in the vast majority of patients enough when you put it on the top of, of modern glucose-lowering drugs. I, as a healthcare provider, I usually spend months in convincing my patients with type 2 diabetes to go. Now it's not to go on the needle because many have already been on a GLP-1, but it is to to get started on insulin. What What's the barriers? Why do you think that is, Tiara? Oh, man, that's an excellent question, Dr. Bisbal. Um, So from the patient community that I work with, um, a lot of the, the patients that I meet are just starting uh, insulin for the first time, but, uh, but but have been used to taking metformin or an SFU. So for, so for a lot of them, taking an injectable um, has... Uh, had a lot of fear based on that. So I have met a lot of patients um, who are who have a fear of needles. There's also the aspect of feeling like they haven't done enough to manage their own type 2 diabetes. So um, typically what, we, what we've seen is we have someone who gets diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and they're given three months to use metformin and make some other lifestyle changes with diet and exercise. But then later on, even if they've lost a little bit of weight, even if um, their A1C has come down a little bit, but they're still not reaching their targets, or if they're still a little bit higher, the moment that their doctor recommends them to go on to start basal insulin, the the sentiment is, well, haven't I worked hard enough? What what am I not doing in my personal life? Um, that's caused me to get on insulin. And I use the phrase to get on insulin um, purposely because then there's the expectation that one gets off insulin. And I do see that as a stigmatizing way or, or a way that we stigmatize the use of insulin in type 2 diabetes because the goal isn't to necessarily get off of it. The goal is to help you manage your glucose levels and reach your targets to delay uh, complications and to, and to improve your quality of life. Um, yeah. And then also, I think what patients can really use is just understanding the benefits of taking something like this. So um, if you're someone that's on metformin and you're starting, you wake up in the morning and your blood sugars aren't at the 180s or the 200s, your blood sugars are actually flatline and, and within the range that you're looking for. Um, and also, if you're someone that's uh, on basal insulin, another benefit that you'll likely see is in between meals that your blood sugars aren't doing a lot of this, a lot of spiking up, but you'll, you may have a little bit of a bump, but... Um, but but are but also pretty lower than than what most people are used to um, without yeah. taking. Yeah. One of the things that that we know as doctors when when we prescribe drugs is that many patients they actually do not do as the doctor suggests them to do, and and I as I said I often need to convince my patients to go on insulin when they then go on insulin and come back they're actually very often overwhelmed about, wow, I should have done this a long time ago because it actually increased 
the freedom, they don't have as high glucose, so they can actually live more freely, I would say. I don't know what you think about that. And also the, the adherence, can you elaborate a little bit on that, Tara? I've heard patients say my aunt or my grandmother started insulin and she lost her eyesight. And that's that's part of the misinformation that I see often. And, you know, you have to kindly correct and say, you know, that's your aunt was likely developing complications long before she started insulin. And she probably should have actually been on insulin sooner to, to delay those complications. But that's also what we have learned, Tara. What we have learned is really that the more aggressive we are in decreasing glucose, the less complications patients get because actually I it's a very long time since I've seen someone who has become blind due to their type 2 diabetes. Actually there was a question I wanted to ask you Dr. Billsball is like um when you mentioned uh needed to convince your patients like how long does it, did it take you to convince the convince your patients and, and what methods did you have to use to to say, hey, this is something that you could use, like you're going to feel so much better with food and you're not going to feel as tired all the time because you're not going to be running high. Like what are some of the ways that you've had to work to convince your patients? So we have talked so much about pros and cons. And and, and for me, it, it's an everyday challenge when I'm in the clinic and want to to get someone on insulin, as you say. And and I would really, I, I learn more every day, every time I actually put a patient on insulin. I spend a lot of time um, convincing the patient. It, uh, and by doing that, I tell them about, I'm very open, I tell them about, uh, complications if they don't go on the on insulin. I also spend quite a lot of time talking about the pathophysiology of type 2 diabetes because they're not failures when they end up coming on insulin. I think that's extremely important. I also tell them that it, it really uh, decreases their risk of complications. And, and if they are, you know, good in measuring glucose once in a while. They don't need to have a CGM. All of them, they don't need to measure glucose four, five, six times per day, but they need to measure fasting plasma glucose once in a while and not then also um, a couple of profiles if they're ill and so on. So triple therapy with metformin, SGLT2 and GLP-1 is extremely efficacious with respect to body weight and glycemic control. And then when you add the insulin, you need less insulin. So the risk of increasing weight, which is also an issue, at least in many of my patients, they don't want to go on insulin because that is equal to gaining a lot of weight. But if you put it on the top of modern glucose-lowering drugs, the weight gain is not as high. Um, the risk of hypoglycemia is not as pronounced because you simply don't use as high doses and also with all the newer insulin analogs, if they if you need high units of insulin, you always you can always swap to a more modern uh, insulin analog and thereby decrease the the risk of of hypoglycemia. I, I'm not quite sure how I get everyone on the same page. So I would love for you to to give me some good suggestions, Sierra. Can you do that? How do we go on the same page? Yeah. Um so what I've what I've seen work is like of course like the complications piece is always really important, um, but what I find that some patients respond to is how it's how is it going to impact them in their day to day life, like, leveling with patients and asking them 
what impact do you think this is going to have on your day-to-day life? Do you feel like if you're at work, do you feel comfortable talking to your employer if you need to take a break or need to take an injection? What are some of the concerns a patient may have about possibly need to take out um, their insulin pen when out at a restaurant or with their family? Um, what is the relationship uh, or their, their relationship with food and how do they foresee taking insulin impacting that? Do they feel like they may have a little bit more freedom with it? Do they feel like they may have to monitor um, even more closely of, of what they eat? Um, and then you brought up a really great point about the the monitoring, the the finger the finger pricking. And most people with type two diabetes are still using finger pricks. I think addressing that up front is also going to be really helpful too, um, because right now I, I know so many people with type two diabetes who don't like pricking their fingers, and that could also um, impact their own ability to stay on insulin therapy. So it's it's more about the about the day to day and how and how it's going to impact their everyday lives. Um, I think that, you know the long term um, you know impact the benefits of like delaying complications. That's of course something to always to always mention. And then you know having that open dialogue includes um, addressing any kind of fears that your patients may have around insulin. Um, yeah. You know because if if they don't get that kind of um, information from you, they're going to get it from somewhere and it's likely going to be on the internet where, where the information isn't, isn't accurate or up to date. So addressing that upfront as well, um, is going to be very helpful for, for your patients. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tiara. Uh, it has been a pleasure having this discussion with you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Hello, my name is Tina Bilsbel. I'm a professor at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark, and I'm a consultant at Steno Diabetes Center, also in Copenhagen, Denmark. I'm really happy to be here today and discuss new opportunities with Once Weekly Insulin. In this program, I'm honored to be here with Tiara. Please welcome Tiara. Can you present yourself, please? Yes. Thank you, Dr. Visbol. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Tiara Smith, and I have dedicated my career to advocating for people with type 2 and their experiences and providing practical resources so that, that way they can thrive with this chronic illness. Happy to be here. Thank you. Today, we use modern glucose-lowering drugs with metformin, SGLT2, and GLP-1, but we also use a lot of insulin. But on a very regular basis, it is a challenge to convince patients to go on insulin, as I know Tiara calls it, and many people call it because you then, a lot of people think that that life will stop when they need to take these everyday injections. And that's why we are right now in a really interesting area because we have had the recent years, the development of insulin analogs have become better and better. They're more and more stable and they can, many of them can be take a, taken as a one daily injection. The data we have today with the so-called BIF, uh, which you can appreciate from this slide, very beautiful effect, pretty much similar effects as a once daily injection and not on the cost of hypoglycemia. And some of the things that, of course, we're worried about is weight gain, hypoglycemia, especially when I first heard about once-weekly insulin, I was very worried about 
an increased risk of severe hypoglycemia because injecting seven times as much insulin uh, once a weekly made even a, a, a doctor like me um, really worried. But what we have seen so far is, is really um, straightforward and as expected because these peptides, these once weekly insulin have a more protracted pharmacokinetic profile, meaning that the amount of insulin on board in the blood of the patient is much more stable. The onwards one trial was a pretty long, as you can see, a 78 week long trial where insulin Icodec was compared to insulin glargine 100. So once weekly injection versus once daily injection and very, very beautiful results not only in respect to glycemic control, but also in respect to safety. No new sig signals were seen in the onwards one. No new signals, worrying signals were seen in the onwards three either, where insulin icodec was compared to insulin declodec, again, once weekly against once daily, and actually in the onwards three in a blinded matter. Very beautiful effect um, in respect to glycemic control. And again, in respect to safety, no increased risk of the most severe uh, hypoglycemia, slightly more uh, light hypoglycemia, but, but nothing severe, no hospital admissions and no out of control hypoglycemia. And for me, that is very, very important. And I don't know if you'll share with me your thoughts, Tiara. How do you think your um, acceptance and adherence would be with the once weekly uh, compared to a once daily insulin? Oh my God, I would have jumped on the opportunity to have a once weekly uh, insulin. Um, now, taking insulin, you know, it, it takes what maybe a minute or less to actually take it, but there's so much that goes into it. One, the fear of the needle, the the expecting a little bit of pain. And then the thought of doing that um, just once or twice a day, every day, um, it's mentally exhausting as a person with diabetes. Now, if if my doctor had presented me with once weekly insulin, especially if, if um, the, especially if it meant that I would be able to be in range more often um, when compared to uh, Glargine or Degludec, there are no changes or differences in body weight. Um, and, and I'm not at a increased risk of severe low blood sugar. Oh yes. 100%. I would, I would yeah. try it right now if I could. It removes a, a burden of a mental burden of, of living, of living with diabetes. I mean, it helps things. It helps me. It will help me think about my diabetes less, which is why I, I know a lot of patients are actively trying to find the thing that makes them think about their, their own diabetes less. Um, yeah. no, this will be amazing for people with type two. Yeah. One of the things that when I first heard about once weekly insulin, I also was, you know, overwhelmed about less complexity and, you know, probably being more convincing for the patients to go, as you said, I would take it right away. Um, <laughs> as a doctor, I, I initially was a little bit worried about protracted hypoglycemia. So be, because if you only take the insulin once a week and if you suddenly want to run a marathon in the middle of the week or if you're ill, you know, and, and for me, that was 
point of it was it gave me some focus initially i mean it's it's important that patients with type 2 diabetes have freedom have flexibility can yeah. go for a long walk if they want to and i was worried about whether this long acting insulin would you know be good from an injection number perspective but uh, whether it would actually increase the body weight because it, they they would need to increase their preventive snacking. I don't know what you think about that, here. Yeah. So actually, um, you brought up you know being able to go for a walk or or exercise, and what what I was thinking was how will we counsel or I guess like how we address the concerns that a patient may have if they are a little bit more active in one week or less active um, the following week and the dosage is there. Um, I think some patients would have questions about that. And then the other thing is things like snacking or feeling a little bit more freedom with food and how that uh, once weekly insulin would impact their glucose levels if they decide to let's say go on a vacation with their friends, go on a cruise perhaps where there's a lot of food available. Is that one, is that once weekly insulin going to be enough for them to kind of think a little bit less about the impact of food on, on their glucose levels? Um, so I think that's something that patients would, um, would, would want to know more about, about how this would impact, like again, that, that day-to-day, that everyday uh, life and their relationship with food and exercise when it comes to a once weekly insulin like this. So it will make life easier. It will treat more patients on the long term to target. I'm pretty confident about that. And and then you'll have more time, you know, discussing uh, other important things when when you are in the clinics. How do you see it? Uh, do you think it will be impact in the patient to doctor um, collaboration here? What do you think about that? Yes, uh, I I feel like a patient would um, find their 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 doctor's appointments to be more productive. When, you, when you're a patient and you're feeling like you're on the right track, you are willing to share that information with your doctor, um, especially if you have something that is pretty much revolutionary as this. I can see a patient coming to, coming to a provider and saying, dog, this, this has changed my life. What else can I do to, uh, to, to improve my management. And I will also imagine that, um, that a patient will be more open to asking more questions about their diabetes and, and, other, and other treatment methods as well. Um, I, I feel like when it comes to uh, medications or, or, or any kind of development in diabetes, like I feel like it helps patients feel like they can be more open with their provider if they feel like there's a solution that would actually work for them. Um, I find that sometimes patients, when they're struggling, they may not feel as confident coming to a doctor um, because they may feel like they aren't doing enough. And there's that sort of personal responsibility aspect of managing type 2 diabetes. The less complex medical therapy can be, to my opinion, the better. Same here. Same here. And, and you know, just just to wrap up the, the patient perspective for this discussion, like, I imagine when patients get medications like this and this is introduced to them, their outlook on their life with diabetes improves. They feel, yeah. they feel more empowered um, about what their health will, will look like. They're not worried as worried about the complications. They, they can actually feel their quality of life improving, which is, I feel like, one of the most important aspects of uh, when new therapies are introduced. 
Thank you very much, Sierra, for a wonderful discussion. I hope I'll meet you in five years to hear how your diabetes is. And, and uh, I think the future is bright uh, also within the insulin area. Thank you very much for, for your attention. And thank you, Sierra, for, for participating. Thank you. thank you, Dr. Visbo. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.